So on this Easter morning, we're going to move away from our study in 1 Timothy, and we have landed on a passage here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that I think is particularly appropriate for us as we celebrate the resurrection, as we think about the reality of the gospel. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and our reading will come from verses 13 through 18. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 13. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed, and so I spoke, we also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Our Father, as we come to your word on this Easter morning, we know that no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So may we receive help from the Holy Spirit even now so that we might understand the things freely given to us here in your word. May we, with unveiled face, behold the glory of the Lord revealed in these words so that we might be transformed from one degree of glory to another. We ask this in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. So we do not lose heart. There's something about what Christians know that keeps them from losing heart, that is, keeps them from despair, from giving up, from despondency. And let's be honest, there is so much going on in our lives and that we hear about from others that is very, very difficult. As a pastor, it seems like it happens every week when I learn of something that a family, either within our church or one of the other churches that I've served, has received some very bad news or they've encountered a very difficult challenge and we wonder, how will they make it through this? In 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul provides us with a window into the life of a servant of Christ. We see what it was like in the early days of the church, traveling around the Roman Empire, preaching the gospel in different cities, planting churches where no church had ever been before, and seeing many people come to faith in Christ out of lives of immorality, idolatry, and legalism. In 2 Corinthians 6, 4 through 10, Paul reveals his experience and the experience of those who served with him, and we get a sense of how difficult it was for them. So just look in the next, uh, or actually chapter 6 there of 2 Corinthians, verses 4 through 10. You can look along with me there as I read. He writes, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, 
sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold, we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. So we, we are shown here in this passage and re, really throughout the whole of, of the scriptures that God's people will experience vast amounts of trouble in this life, especially if they're serving him. Their faithful service to the Lord doesn't exempt them from this trouble, and in some ways, it will lead to even more trouble in this life. So what are believers to do when faced with difficulty? How can our faith survive when we encounter unexpected hard times, tragedy? When marriage falls apart, when you receive that cancer diagnosis, when your son is arrested, when your business goes bankrupt, when your friend betrays you, when you realize that something just isn't right with the new baby. When your life changes and you must now deal with a challenge that you are not at all expecting, how can Christians endure? What will help us get out of bed in the morning and continue to press on? Well, that is what this passage is about. As Christians, we do not lose heart no matter how bad it gets. As Paul said, we may be sorrowful yet always rejoicing. So the main theme from verses 13 through 18 of chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians here is that Christians are empowered to endure tribulation today by looking ahead to our promised eternal glory. What we see is crucial to how we think about our situation. If we are looking at the right things, we will respond in the right ways. So this principle of what we see, what we look at, what we look towards, it's key to understanding this passage and to help us to endure tribulation and to not lose heart. So where are we looking and what are we seeing? That principle is is emphasized especially there in verse 18 of our passage. So therefore, here here are my my, my three headings. Uh, They follow the movement of this passage where Paul is leading us first to look back in verses 13 through 15. Look back at an incredibly significant historical event, the very one that we are celebrating here on this Easter morning. Then in verse 16, we are to look at our experience in the present And the final one, which is the key to not losing heart, is to look ahead in verses 17 and 18. So looking back, looking today, and looking ahead. First, looking back, Christ is risen, verse 13 through 15. 
Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, that, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. The context of this passage is in the middle of a larger section where the Apostle Paul is writing uh, about why he and the other gospel workers along with him are able to continue on in the work of ministry in spite of the trials and sufferings that they have been experiencing. We, 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 we just heard some of those trials uh, and sufferings. Beatings, imprisonments, riots. It seems like wherever Paul went, he encountered those things. So when, when we read the scriptures, we are looking back then to the saints of old, to, to, to those who have been the Lord's servants like Paul, and we are shown example after example of men and women just like us who followed and, and served Christ faithfully and yet had to endure great suffering. That's what Paul is doing here in verse 13. He's, he's looking back. He, he's looking back and, he, and, he, and, he's, and he's quoting from Psalm 116 in verse 13. In that psalm, the writer is praising the Lord for his mercy and grace in helping him even in the midst of great distress. In the very verse that, that, that Paul quotes here, it's Psalm 116, verse 10. The second half of that verse in Psalm 116 says, I am greatly afflicted. So Paul says, since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak. He is saying here, we are no different uh, from them. They believed God's promise and endured suffering, and yet they still spoke the word of God. Therefore, we will continue to speak what we believe, even though we also suffer like them, even though we are also afflicted. So, brothers and sisters, look back. Look back. Look in the scriptures. Read about Abraham. Read about Joseph. Read about David. Read about all the other saints in the scriptures. Note how they suffered immensely, and yet how the Lord led them through those trials. Take note of their faith. Take, take note that they were simply hanging on to the word of God, to the promises the Lord had made to them and to his people. Read the biographies also of the Christian saints who have served the Lord in the past, and you will see how they endured great suffering and many trials, and yet they still hung on to the promises of God and did not lose heart. They believed those gospel promises, the same ones that, that we believe today. They spoke his promises. So let us also speak them out. Speak them to those around us as well, uh, particularly to, to one another in here, in, in this very room, so that here in this church we can encourage one another in the faith while we endure trials. Then in verse 14, we have the primary event that we are to look back 
to see. This will be the thing that breathes life into our weary hearts when we are despairing. This is the reality that will transform our experience of tragic accidents, of sickness and death. When we are in the midst of great difficulty and sorrow, we are to look back to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So as I read this verse, listen closely to what we are to remind ourselves of when we do look back. Verse 14 again. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. When you read the New Testament, if you're you're paying attention to what the uh, authors are emphasizing, you will then notice that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a very big deal. It is a key theme throughout the New Testament, and I believe it's a key theme throughout all of the Bible. God is the God of resurrection. In my studies uh, this past week, I, I just did a, a simple search of the references within the New Testament of God raising Jesus from the dead, and I found 23 different times we are told in the New Testament that God raised Jesus from the dead. Most of them were found in the the book of Acts uh, during the time, of course, when the apostles were, were declaring the gospel. They were explaining what God had accomplished in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When the gospel was was spreading quickly throughout the world, that was their gospel. That was what they declared and proclaimed, and that is the message that was transforming lives. So we must remember the gospel would not be the good news without the resurrection. Yes, what Jesus did on the cross is essential to our salvation, but what happened in the tomb may be even more essential. For if Christ had not been raised, as Paul states in 1 Corinthians 15, 17, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. So one of the key things uh, for Christians to, uh, to uh, be able to, to keep going here, one of, the, one of the key things that we need to be focused on, even to the very end, is to remember that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. His enemies thought that they had seen the last of him. They truly believed that they had won the victory over him. They celebrated this by mocking him, by scorning him while he hung on the cross. They believed that that, that once his body was put in that tomb, that they would once and for all put an end to any influence that he would have over the Jewish people and the people of the world. But what happened? What happened was God raised him from the dead. And now here we are today a group of Nebraskans half a planet away from Jerusalem 2,000 years later. What are we doing? We're gathering together in this man's name, in Jesus' name, along with millions of others in local churches like ours on this very morning throughout the world celebrating his resurrection and proclaiming that he is Lord. And so because God raised Jesus from the dead, As it says here, he will raise us also with Jesus 
and bring us along with all other believers who ever lived and died into his presence. The resurrection of Jesus was, as Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, those who have, who have died in the faith. His resurrection was the very first in a great harvest of the resurrection that is still to come. His resurrection ensures that all who put their hope in him and who died in the faith will one day also be raised again from the dead. Cameron Cole, uh, a youth pastor and an author, uh, he was on a, a camp out with his students 10 years ago when his wife called him to tell him that, that he needed to, to get to the children's hospital as soon as possible. She didn't want to tell him the bad news until he got there, but uh, with, his, with his pleading over the phone, she eventually gave in and told him that their three-year-old son had died in his sleep. This was, of course, the, the worst news that he could have possibly imagined, his wife calling him um, on that morning to tell him. And in, in response, Cameron Cole, of course, wanted to say something to strengthen his wife in this time, but also strengthen himself. And so the first sentence out of his mouth after receiving this news was, Lauren, Christ is risen from the dead. That is the foundational truth that we can stand on in the midst of the worst trials that can hit us in our lives. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. The tomb is empty, therefore, nothing is hopeless. Nothing is hopeless. The gospel is real. Looking back to this world-changing event then will empower us to endure the darkest of days. As Paul declares in verse 16, so we do not lose heart. And there we go now into verse 16. We need to look today. Looking today, transformation is ongoing. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. When we look at what is happening today, that is when we usually get the most discouraged. For the troubles that we are all dealing with are all happening to us today. Today we look and see the suffering of our loved ones. Today we look at our bank accounts and see a much smaller number there than we'd like. Uh, today is when we feel the aches and the pains or the sorrows or the loneliness. Today is when we look in the mirror and see someone that we may not recognize anymore. What happened to that waistline? What happened to our hair? What happened to this face? Today is when we read the headlines on our, our news feeds and, and hear about the latest mass shooting, the next weather disaster, or the next disturbing decision our president has made. Today is when we have to deal with our afflictions once again. But there is something that we can look at today that will help us not to lose heart. Something we need to know about what God is doing today that will strengthen us and fill our hearts with hope. 
we must know that the troubles that we will face today will not be wasted. Verse 16 again, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. We like to think of this verse as, as simply referring to our outward physical bodies and our inward souls. As we age, our outward bodies sure do show the signs of wasting away, while our souls are being renewed day after day, becoming stronger, becoming more and more Christ-like, until one day these old bodies will ultimately fail us and our souls will finally be free of them forever. There is some truth to that understanding, but this passage is telling us that there is so much more going on in us and in this world. So there is a direct connection between verse 16 and verse 1. Look back at verse 1 of chapter 4. Therefore, it says there, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. So in verse 16, when Paul repeats his statement on not losing heart or, or not giving up, as, as a, some um, a more modern translations have it, and, and, and the context for both of these statements is God's redeeming and transforming work in his people. Uh, look back now at the end of, of chapter 3 in, in verse 18. In, in, in that paragraph, Paul was explaining how the church was, was living out this new era of redeeming, uh, of uh, redemption, in which God, the Holy Spirit, was, was removing the veil that prevented the Jews from seeing how the law of Moses was pointing to Jesus. And that for so many Gentiles and other Jewish believers, they were given the privilege of seeing that Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament promises. Christ is the fulfillment of the covenant. And then in verse 18, uh, chapter 3, we read this. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We have been given this great privilege, this great privilege of, of beholding or seeing the glory of the Lord when we hear or read the word of Christ. And when we behold him in the scriptures, and for Paul and the, and the, and the, the Corinthians, that of course was mainly the Old Testament scriptures, we are being transformed more and more into his image. Therefore, as it says in verse 1, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. So then, that helps us then to understand what Paul says in verse 16. Paul is referring back to that transformation when he says, more literally, in verse 16, though our outer man is wasting away, our inner man is being renewed day by day. And this is following so closely to what Paul just said about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. The resurrection was, was the grand statement by God that a new era has begun. We are in uh, a time in which the, uh, it, it, that is kind of known as the already and the not yet. Already, believers have been given eternal life through their faith in Christ. Already, we are walking in the power of the Spirit of God. Already, God has raised the Lord Jesus from the dead, which 
again, is the first fruits assuring us of the resurrection still to come. Already we are enjoying the blessings of being in a relationship with God through Christ and are covered by his righteousness. And yet, yet we still struggle with, with the old man, the old man of sin and temptation, and, and we, still, we still deal with the effects of the fall every single day, which include the decaying of our bodies and experiencing the death of our loved ones. So when we look at today, we see the reality of sin, the reality of rebellion against God, but when we look at the church, the true church, that is those who genuinely trust in Christ alone for their righteousness before God, and we walk humbly under his rule, according to his word, we also see the reality of the kingdom of God. It is real. Christ is empowering his people to overcome sin and temptation, to, to love one another sacrificially, to, to, to speak his saving words of eternal life to those who are still in rebellion, and to be willing to suffer in order to bring glory to Christ and to increase thanksgiving. Here in the present day, we already are being more and more transformed, renewed day by day until the not yet will be fully realized and sin and suffering and disobedience will be no more and we will love and serve our Lord Jesus and one another perfectly with undivided hearts. That transformation is ongoing even now. And number three, verses 17 through 18, looking ahead, we're optimistic. Looking ahead, we're optimistic. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. There is a a clever line that I have heard, especially um, older believers use every so often, it's, it's uh, told in, in such a way that it, it usually uh, brings us uh, to smile, but at the same time, it points to exactly what these two verses are encouraging us to always have on our minds as we endure the trials of this life. Say you end up in the hospital. And uh, you're, you're there for a surgery, and uh, you experience that, that surgery, and, and as you are now in your room recovering from that surgery, someone comes in to see you, and of course, asks you, how are you? How are you feeling? How are you doing? And then you as a Christian say, well, uh, not feeling too good right now, but I'm optimistic about the future. Or when you're asked uh, what you think about the, 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 the current presidential administration, what they're doing. As a Christian, you could say, well, I, I definitely can't put any confidence in really anyone in Washington, D.C. right now, but, but I'm optimistic about the future. Or when the conversation turns to the war in Ukraine or, or the heightening conflicts in the Middle East, and, and someone asks you for your take on all those, those things, 
as a Christian. You can say, yeah, those those things seem pretty dire, but I'm optimistic about the future. Genuine Christians are always optimistic about the future. Now, we are not optimistic because we have a certain hope in the, in the human spirit that, you know, we will just all one day learn to, to get along with each other and truly put the needs of others ahead of our own. We're definitely not optimistic because we think all it will take is to get the right man in the White House and the right judges on the Supreme Court and the right political party in control of things. And that will finally begin to turn things around in our country. No, no, Christians are not optimistic at all in those things. Christians are optimistic about the future because of what our Lord has promised us is going to come for all who have put their trust in him. Resurrection. Glory. Righteousness, never-ending joy, spending eternity in the very presence of the Lord Jesus, seeing him face to face, serving him with pure, loving hearts, and never sinning again. That time is coming when the Lord will return and put a final end to all sin and rebellion and cast all of his enemies under his feet into the lake of fire, and he will restore this fallen world and make all things new. Then all those whose names are written in the book of life, those who are given the grace to know Christ as their Savior, will live forever in resurrected bodies that will never fail us, and we will see and be surrounded by the glory of God and be in his very presence, fully able to take in all that he is and and all that he created us to be. That is why we are optimistic. That is the eternal weight of glory. That is why we, we, we are, or that's what we are told to look ahead to here in verse 17. Looking ahead to what is to come for those who have been redeemed by the Lord through his life, death, and resurrection That is what will help us to endure. That is what will help us uh, to to, to make our way through our current afflictions. That is what makes them seem to us light and momentary. Now please note in verse 17 that when Paul refers to our current afflictions as light and momentary, he's not making light of them at all. He's not saying that we are to say or to believe things that are not true about our sufferings. Most afflictions feel very heavy, like like very heavy weights that we must carry every day. We wake up each morning and the trouble is still there. Your chronic back pain is still there. Your, Your coworkers who seem to enjoy making your life miserable at work, they're still there. Your, your, your troubled marriage is still there. You, you wake up and you know you still have to care for your loved one who is failing in health and is almost completely dependent upon you. Or you wake up to an empty home that you used to share with a loving spouse who you, of course, assumed would, 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 would have lived 
long enough to enjoy your grandchildren, at least until they had all graduated and began their lives. Each of those things could feel like a great, heavy weight that you need to carry each day. And for some believers, there are multiple things, multiple heavyweights that they have to carry. This verse is not telling you to just think of them as light and momentary. Oh, they're really nothing. It feels like heavyweight, but come on, it's not really all that heavy. No, no. Be real about them. Be real about them. But what will help you to continue to carry the weight, what will help you to continue to endure them is by looking ahead and comparing them with the glory that is to come. That's what Paul is getting at here. Think of those uh, old, old scales, you know, where, where there are these, these, these two big, big plates or bowls hanging from, from chains on a lever with a, with a fulcrum in the center, and you would put a certain amount of weight on one side and try to balance out that weight with whatever you were, you were weighing on the other side. So maybe you think of your sufferings as the size of an elephant. And you put that on, on one side of the scale. Or maybe you're saying, oh no, pastor, an elephant's way, way too small. More like a massive whale. My sufferings are more like a massive whale. So we put that massive whale on, on one side of that scale. But on the other side of that scale, you put a mountain. That's the comparison here. Our afflictions are huge. They're enormous. They're massive. How can we endure them? When you put a mountain on the other side of the scale, the largest mountain that you've ever seen, in comparison with the whale of suffering on your side of the scale, the mountain seems to, uh, to make that incredibly light. Then we, come, we can compare how long we'll have to carry that suffering in this life. You know, maybe, maybe 5, 10, 20, even 30 years. It can really seem like a, like a very long time to us. But when we compare that to eternity in paradise, it actually seems like, like just a breath, just, just, just a mist that appears for a moment and then is gone. That is why we need to fill our minds and our hearts with the hope of what is to come in the kingdom, in the new heaven and the new earth. For as the message parallel translation puts it, these hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times, the lavish celebration prepared for us. So those are the unseen things. What we see now is the trouble, is the affliction, the sinfulness, the Rebellion against the Lord and against his anointed one, but what is unseen is what we have been promised to come for us. Resurrection, eternal life in God's presence. All of God's enemies being cast out. That is what is to come. That is what is not yet seen. So having our eyes fixed on that, on the glory to come, will empower us to endure the tribulation of these troublesome days. Ponder what's to come, friends. 
fill your minds with the glory of the new heavens and the new earth. Just two weeks ago now in Nashville, Tennessee, a troubled young woman walked into a Christian school that she used to attend and was connected to an evangelical Presbyterian church. And this young woman shot and killed three nine-year-old students and three staff members. One of the children who was killed was the lead pastor's little girl of that church, Hallie Scruggs. The world was watching that day. The world was watching. And they were wondering, how are these Christians going to respond to this? How is this pastor who preaches about God and, and, and the gospel, how is he going to respond to this? Pastor Scruggs released a statement to his church family and then to the media that simply said, she was a gift. We are heartbroken. Through tears, we trust that she is in the arms of Jesus who will raise her to life once again. So my friends, brothers and sisters, Christ is risen from the dead. And it is our hope for what is coming in the future that empowers us to not lose heart in the present, but to live like Christ. May we do so day by day by his grace. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we are so grateful for the good news of Jesus Christ. We're so grateful that we have had the privilege of hearing the good news, of, of being possibly raised in a home that believed the good news, or being a part of a local church like this one that preaches the good news. What a privilege. What a blessing. But Father, we pray that you would help us. For even though we, we are ones who have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we still suffer. We still endure very, very hard things, great afflictions. So, Father, help us. Help us to know that compared with what is to come for your people, these afflictions are light and momentary. That the weight of glory that we expect and anticipate will be far, far, far greater any hardship we endure today. So give us hope, strengthen us with this hope, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.